dear John, the final chapter. And basically, this is one of the gospels in the gospel of John. You have the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We've been, we've, we've dove, we, we, we have, uh, we have touched base in a lot of the chapters. We haven't gone over every single chapter, but basically we've had a nice overview. And this is going to be the final chapter, um, which is really not chapter 21. It's actually the final chapter or final ending of this series that the Lord has put in my heart. And I believe it's going to be of uh, extreme importance to each and every one of us. So I want to get to it. Because basically, you know, the, the, well, as, as we've seen throughout, throughout the whole time that we've been preaching in, this, in, this, in the book of John, we've talked about, this is basically Jesus' ministry. Um, you know, we know that the word in the beginning was the word, and that word became flesh, and that word is God. How many of you remember that we did speak on that? The word of the, word of the Lord is God. Someone say amen. God's word is God. And that word became flesh. How many of you know Jesus and God are one? Jesus was 100% man and 100% God while he was here on this earth. As we were discussing, time has gone by now. People already see Jesus has performed many miracles. Lazarus has been raised from the dead. The blind have seen. The lame have walked. He already did this. He did perform multiple, multiple, multiple miracles already. So now it's the time where the final hour of his ministry here on earth is now come. Now we're, we're actually here in this moment. And this is where we're going to get at now. And this is what I'm going to discuss. And now Jesus already had entered into Jerusalem. And now he's in the, he's in the last supper. And... Let's see here what it says here in John 13, 34 through 35. Are you with me, church? Say amen. A new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Father, right now I want to give you thanks, honor, and glory, Lord Jesus. Have your way in this place, Lord. Use me as your vessel, as your instrument, Father God, to speak to your people. May your will be done. Take total control in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So prior to this verse, now Jesus, everyone's with me. Now Jesus has already, it's already been years of his ministry. He's already done a bunch of, performed a bunch of miracles. Many people believe he's the Messiah and he now has a lot of opposition. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, a lot of religious leaders, the Jewish leaders, they do not like Jesus. There's people that love him and there's people that hate him. There's people that now are already going against him and we know the story later on after this after this last supper, he gets betrayed by Judas. Then he, beget, he gets crucified. And then he raises from the dead. Hallelujah. We already know our king is alive. Amen. Let's just go ahead and. Because I'm not going to, I don't want to tell you the whole entire story. But I want you to see exactly where we are right now in this specific moment. Right before Jesus knows, man, it's time is about to come. He's here in the last supper. Prior to verse 34, look at what happens here. Jesus, the Bible says Jesus gets up, pours water into a basin or a bowl, 
And he says he is going to wash his disciples' feet. Mind you, this is, this is his final act prior to him getting betrayed and being crucified. He's in the Last Supper. He gets up, the Bible says, pours water into a basin, and he begins to wash his disciples' feet. I want you to understand, the washing, they didn't have shoes like we do now, thousands of years ago. And the roads, there was no nice floors. Everyone there walking on mud with some sandals. Their feet are nasty. It's dirty. Very nasty. And people that washed individuals' feet were individuals that had very low wages. They were not looked at as people of high stature or high status. This is, this is an extremely humbling, uh, this, is, so this is an act that kings don't do. Even the disciples themselves were shocked and stunned that Jesus would actually take this stand and say what he was going to say. He were in the Last Supper. He's speaking of where he's going to go. We won't be able to go. They still don't under, really under, quite understand that when Jesus died, he's going to resurrect, even though Jesus had already informed them and been letting them know. But this is his final act, and you're saying that what you're going to do right now is wash my feet? You're going to wash my feet right before the, the, the creme de la creme, the, the top, the pinnacle of all of the, your ministry of why you came? And I mean, really? This just goes to show you. As a matter of fact, after he was washing certain disciples' feet, he went up to Peter. Now let's talk about Peter. He was about to wash Peter's feet. And look what it says in John 13, verse 8. Peter told Jesus, no, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. He said that to Jesus. I can imagine Peter knowing he's the Messiah, knowing he's God, knowing he's the Savior of the universe. He is the Christ. How is it possible? I will never let my master wash my feet. But look what Jesus says. Jesus says, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. You see, Jesus is showing Peter, and obviously later on he ends up washing their feet. But what happens here is that he shut Peter up quick because he's trying to teach them what it really is about and the why I am here. The why I came, the why I'm going to suffer, the why I'm going to be crucified, the why. You see, it's because, first of all, we all need to be washed spiritually. But also, you see, he's showing how his servanthood, his servitude, he's showing us the humbleness. He's showing us that he didn't come to be served, but to serve. Come on, put your hands together. He's showing us. He's demonstrating to us. And then after he did all that is when he says, my last, my new commandment I give you, the most important thing, love one another. Because he's showing his humbleness. He's showing, man, we need to humble ourselves. We need to be servants to others. We need to love one another. We need to lay down our pride. It's not about being selfish. It's about being selfless. And if you can see in human nature, man, when we're, look at even kids when, it's in our nature to be selfish. Kids, I'm talking about one, two, three-year-old kids. Like, if you know what I'm talking about. It's in their nature. You take away their toy, they don't want to share it. 
give it to me. They're kids. They don't have any wrong in them. It's just in their natural behavior. We are natural, carnally minded. That's why the Bible says we were born sinners. We need a savior. But we, we, that's why Jesus came to show us exactly how this needs to be done. This is the formula. Humble yourself. Have that heart of a servant. It's about being selfless. Love one another as I have loved you. That way everyone will know that you are my disciple. If you don't humble yourself, if you don't love one another, it's impossible Impossible. You can't have any part in Jesus. That's why he told Peter, if you don't let me wash you, you have no part in me. If you don't humble yourself, humbling yourself to serve others. It's hard to understand this concept if you don't have Jesus as your number one source. Which leads me now to John 15. And we're going to be jumping a little back and forth. I'm moving. I'm getting somewhere. If you're with me, church, say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Look what it says here in John 15, verse 1 through 8. This is, this, is, this is powerful. Pay attention to this. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Verse 3, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can't do nothing. Verse 6, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown in the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Hallelujah. Showing yourselves to be my disciple. Jesus is divine. He is the source. I remember there was times in my life, man, where I don't know who's in here or who's watching me right now online. And I know the Lord, the Spirit of God told me that I have to do this today. And I felt it in my heart, especially after now, especially such a time as this. Because, man, there's no timing like God's timing. God's timing is perfect. And I believe, as we said earlier, coming to this brand new year. Coming up soon. If you don't need to wait until next year. Some of you may have, some of you, I don't know how, how, what avenue or where you are exactly in your life right now. We all have our own roads. We all have our own paths in this life. We all have our issues that we deal with. My issues are different from your issues. My obstacles different from your obstacles. But man, I remember there was a time that I decided that I steered away from the things of God. And I was, man, I thought that I can do it on my own. 
I remember those times where there was moments in my life. I mean, I still believed in Jesus, but he, he wasn't, I wasn't clinging on. There were still certain areas of my life that I depended on, on my knowledge, on my experiences, on my education, on my instinct. Am I the only one in here that has done that? There's moments in life that, man, I remember there was, and there's still times where I make the mistake of clinging on to my own understanding and not his. I'll stand up here and tell you the first one. I will not throw that first stone, man. I have made my mistakes. But now there's a difference between making that mistake and then, man, repenting and knowing that your source is God. But then there was times in my past where, man, I wasn't part of that vine where I was just completely in the dark and steered away from the things of God. And I was not, man, I was living in the dark. My source was coming from somewhere else. My strength was coming from somewhere else. I may have looked for it in a substance. I may look for it in a person. I may look for it in my education. But, man, what happens is when you're apart from God, verse 5, apart from me, you cannot do anything. And I don't know who I'm preaching to today, but I know that if there is someone in here that you think that you could by your might, man, it's not by your might, not by your power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. He is the vine. In him, you remain in him. Man, he remain in you. And look what it says in verse 7. You remain in me and my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish. Hallelujah. And it will be done for you. Put your hands together. Where does your power come from? Where is your source? Are you a part of this vine? Is Jesus your source of power? Source of your peace. Source of your strength. Source of your victory. Source of your knowledge. <laughs> Because sometimes, man, there's a reason why the Bible says we cannot lean on our own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Amen. Someone say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Oh. Now, am I going to sit here and tell you that there's not, listen, it's good to learn from your experiences. <laughs> Please, don't, mis don't misinterpret what I'm saying. Don't think, I'm just saying, man, where is your source? There's going to be a time where what you learned in college, man, it cannot clash with what God says. Or what your experiences have gone through, it cannot clash with what the word of God says. It can't go, it can't, it cannot. Because then that is when you are apart from what God wants from you. That is when you're saying, man, what I think with my reasoning, I'm going to get it done. What your reasoning has done, man, it could be the only thing you should take from your past experiences that, let me see how I put this. What you, have, what you have gone through in your past, you trusting wholly in God, completely in God, him getting you through that, man, he, he saved you from the, man, he saved you from the lion, from the paws of the bear. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? When your Goliath comes up, the only thing you should be remembering, man, is how God got you through that. He's going to get you through this. 
Whatever comes against your way, whatever obstacles try to defeat you, whatever giant comes against you, remember how God got you through, out through there. He's going to get you out of this as well. But it's because of God, because God is your source. Not 